It's okay not to be okay. No Tail Podcast wants to highlight a couple of excellent organisations who work with their Julianians in the field of mental health. First up, Back Inside. Are you suffering from mental health issues, social exclusion, loneliness, grief or the loss of a loved one? Join the team from Back Inside the first Monday of every month at Airdrie Football Club where they welcome along anyone who feels they need some support, someone to listen to them or just to have a cup of tea. They'll be there from 7pm until 10pm and they look forward to seeing you. The evening is free of charge and if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact the team at info at backonside.com. Backonside, support through sport. shirts this season carry the logo Suicide Prevention North Lanarkshire. Suicide is the single biggest killer of men aged under 45 in the UK. North Lanarkshire want to help us do something about that and North Lanarkshire Choose Life's aim is to raise awareness of good suicide prevention practices and to encourage people to speak up as well as listen. You can find out more at chooselife.net. It's okay not to be okay. Part 3 boardroom battles when we first started doing this podcast it was mainly about ownership situation and governance and things like that and I really hoped that with where we got to with the takeover that that was all going to be a thing of the past and we could concentrate on football however uh, it's one of the kind of key developments in the last couple of months and why we'd put off doing this podcast to see if it became a bit clearer uh, Willie Marshall has left the, the board of the football club as trust representative um, he briefed the trust members at a public meeting as to why that was uh, and it was essentially gone to the January football board meeting and I think he sat down and felt like it was just all complaints about the trust uh, four main points being kitted scheme uh, the trust had in previous years put in £10,000 each year uh, this year they hadn't they said that they felt um, because of their part in the takeover and uh, and just with how the club had moved on they'd hoped that they wouldn't have been asked for it hadn't formally been asked for it up until later on they'd also given the football club merchandise which they had been doing for a while they just handed that over that was about um, just short of £9,000 in value and so essentially they were arguing that, that and that was at cost so it could be sold for a profit if it was all sold they were arguing the point that they'd almost put that money in uh, and they, they just moving forward is that not something we want to do second issue was uh, there'd been an invitation from the trust to the football club to hold a kind of open meeting with the fans to address the fact that people weren't happy with Stuart Shields, Gavin Spears, Walter Spears, Bobby Watson um, all leaving the club and it would be good to just kind of put the position across as to what was happening, how they wanted to move forward. The board rejected that and said that they felt that that was knee-jerk and there was no need to have such a meeting uh, and it was voted down five to one. 
uh, third issue was the trust community work and the driver seemed to be why you spend the money on things like a trip to Mongolia? Shouldn't the trust be about supporting the football club? Um, Willie gave the answer of, well, if you take the Mongolia trip as an example, I mean, that's got Airdrie Press coverage, it's got Airdrie mentions in the Houses of Parliament, but also uh, two of the current sponsors of the, the football club are coming along on the next Mongolia trip. So there's things that you don't see uh, in terms of how that works as brand and getting sponsors in uh, and the fourth and final issue which is the player of the year club felt that the profit should be split 50-50 between the football club and the trust uh, and and Willie's answer to that was yeah that's something we would have taken away and looked at um, however he felt like he'd never been in a situation in his working career where he'd been BT for, or for whatever senior positions for years when anybody had spoken to him in the way that he had been that night and it was kind of too much for him uh, and he didn't want to be involved in it anymore uh, so th that was kind of the background to it. Uh, I'm not as positive as I was kind of last year because I really like the model of everybody being in it together. I'm also, I, I, cards on the table, I really like the trust. I think the, the trust committee, I think about three of them were at my, my, my brother's wedding. So there's a lot of people in there that I know and like and I've got a lot of team, uh, time for. As football trusts go, uh, if you look at the Airdrie Trust, it's, to me it's quite amazing. It's become really entrepreneurial uh, over the last few years, doing things like um, tribute act concerts in the town hall and selling those out, spotting that. The, I mean, the, the merchandise started with Dougie going to the club to see I could help you out with that, and he said there's no money in it. They went on to show that there, there is quite a lot of money in it if you do it in the way that the fans want, and we had quite clever things like um, the, what was it called, starting point in the town centre when that was the, 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 the store there, so they got town centre space for free. Uh, so again, really entrepreneurial. Um, things like Kit Aid, I mean, there was a picture that came back this week of the wee boy in Zimbabwe wearing an Airdrie top, uh, which again, doesn't put pounds in the, the, the budget for Ian Murray next year, um, but free season tickets for kids while also supporting a charity doing good work in the third world um, it feels like something that I'm happy my community club supports um, just there's been other things helped with Mark, obviously Mark Allison led the funding charge but they were involved in uh, in uh, the things that he did the darts tournament Frank Bruno night um, they've done a lot of things to try and help with their brand help raise money for the club I, I really like what they've done having been involved for a small period to the committee when the, the Ballantines were in charge, I always felt like the, the club saw it as a bit of an inconvenience. So you go off and do that stuff and it's all quite nice and soft, but really we just want money to make this thing sustainable. Uh, and it was never really a good relationship. I had hoped that with the takeover and the trust being on board with it, I would like to see the club hand over a lot of the community stuff and just say, right, you guys are you're able, you've got a lot of skills within your own committee, but here's a whole load of things that you could go off and do uh, and then there is the question about money coming in and how that supports uh, the football club and the first team which we all want to see thrive, as does the current board and the stadium owners so it would all be in the right direction but it seems to have broken down to the point of you're not helping us right now, we've had a bad first year well, this is my reading into it we, we really need to try and get the best budget that we can for next year you're doing all these things which aren't just giving us the money that's what and the relationship's obviously broken down including it seemed that not the last home game but the one before um, guys from the trust volunteers turned up to help sell all the merchandise and it all disappeared which seemed to be related to, to that dispute haven't heard anything more about it so it's all just a bit depressing uh, I, I don't know where 
to go from here if I, if I was on the trust committee now I think I would probably just chuck it because uh, why would you spend your own time if uh, if it's breaking down to that level and that's just sad because I think it is something that could help with the football club and help get us back to where we want and help try and rebuild a club in the community which we're now down to 600 fans at games but I mean to throw over to you guys I mean, how do you feel about it are you as positive about the future as you were this time last year and Gordon you, you were involved in Diamonds for Change so you were close to it D- does this cause you concern? Uh, it breaks my heart it definitely breaks my heart um, obviously not so much a foot in both camps I'm not really involved in the club as such I was I was on one of the, the boards the youth board which is you know, it's just it seems to be shelved or, or or whatever. The community board's gone. You know, and it's really come down to a kind of club and a trust that are that. I don't know if it was the right word or not, but yeah, I wish I wish things had all been sort of sorted out. And I, I must admit, I loved the idea of what happened. You know, last year and the way the club was going. And again, main concern for all is including the guys and the trust and whatever else is the club being strong and. You know, thriving and been up leagues and whatever else, and for for me, no, I, I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I've 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 certainly communicated my feelings to both sides and that, but but try to find work out a you know try and work out a you know a framework that we can that we that we can kind of get things back together. But it's very raw at the moment, or it seems to be very raw. Um, and you know, I'm not going to go into a you know, I'm not certainly no judging or anything like that, but it's 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 really heartbreaking to see the two sides so far apart, and um, we'll all, we'll always, you know, every day they'll have an opinion and and whatever else. I've tried to fight for for a few things within it, you know, especially somebody that we consider a good pal and his position within it. Um, I don't know if it should have been better sorted at the start of you know an actual proper written contracted heads agreement about what you know what would be done or you know what would do or you know what what we would contribute as fans or or whatever you know maybe it'd have been better that way but I, I don't like the way it's all broken down certainly and it's not really my place or anything like that and I don't really know the ins and outs certainly for both sides or um so so I don't really want to try and pass judgment on that but. You know, as as somebody that considers himself just a, a normal fan, I, I I absolutely hate it, and and, and I wish the situation hadn't erupted like that. And if there are going to be changes at board level, you know, we 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 can all see that there's dysfunction within the way the you know the the plans work to in terms of how the football team's going to run. You know, we we we, we all kind of have a good idea that we're spending more money than than we should be this year, especially for a seventh place team. Is you know at the time of this podcast, and and you can expect in any kind of business of you know, things don't go right and budgets are going to be changing in that, but it's been very public and, you know, obviously it kind of affects us as fans, you know, through our trust, you know, you know, being in the outside, and that, that really is heartbreaking for me personally. It's, it, do you expect businesses to kind of react to, to situations and especially when it comes to things like cash flows and whatever else, but yeah, the public way this is happening is really, it's, it's ugly. So my, my 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 hope is obviously that we can try and repair things, obviously, and you know let let's refocus and go forward. But is it too raw? Is there too is there too many bodies at the moment? I don't know. When you say both sides, uh, because the trust each of us is familiar with. Uh, on the other side, it was it was takeover. I mean, sure, she would spoke about it at the the public meeting, and I mean, start was it was supposed to be ten equal partners 
on the football club side, obviously the the stadium guys own the stadium, and uh, and there's a lot of value in that, and that's different. It never got to ten; it ended up being eight, uh, and then the way that it's broken down from there, so that really what's left on the other side is Paul Hetherington's kind of key, it seems to me, the key person in the stadium ownership side and uh, others within kind of his camp, so his brother, business associates, um, and the only thing that's I don't know any of them personally. Never spoken to them. Um, they don't seem to be that bothered about putting up a, a public front. I mean, it would be really interesting to hear what is their take on it all. What what's their vision for the club going forwards? But there's just a kind of silence which comes across in a way that people can read into it what they like. Probably doesn't help the situation either from their perspective. So. Even just, I don't know what, to the extent which they're talking to each other, but they never seem to have spoken to the, the club, despite being people who have put a lot of money in themselves to make the takeover go through. And I just can't get my head around, do they not care about what the public view of it is? Or is it just that they, they think that they should be allowed to run it the way that they want and they don't need to answer to, to the fan base? Yeah, listen, I'm 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 gonna deliberately not be devil's advocate here. And and you know, I, I obviously I know the guys. Uh, I, I, I don't actually everybody's known Scott for a long time and I I've I've only got to know Paul in the last year and a half or something like that, you know, through the diamonds for change in the at the time of the takeover and um but I've also known Scott Russell though for, you know, way back in the staging post days, so a lot of people know Scott and, you know, we know he's a, an Airdrie fan and, you know, any time I've spoken to the guys, I've bumped into them or whatever else, you know, it's, it's all positive, but we'll put it back. I don't know if there's a, a, a resigned there of it doesn't matter what we'll say at the moment. And, you know, ov- obviously, you know, our fans side of it has been, has been quite passionate and there's it's very emotive and we've obviously got situations where you know, I don't want to bring up any personal way anybody involved, but there, there are people involved in this, right? Um, you know, that are, that, that are fans at heart and we've got the big trust and whatever else. Is there a possibility that no matter what they say at the moment, it's it, it's going to be picked apart, queried or whatever else? And I, I don't know if that's how they feel at the moment in terms of doing it. And I think from their point of view, I think we're in a situation now where it's going to be a actions will speak louder than words. I know that when I've bumped into them, right, and I, I, I do, and you know, I've had a couple of phone calls for, for, for Paul Noon again, just explaining, you know, what's going on. But, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I bump into Scott quite regularly because my kids' team hire the stadium, um, you know, for games, and um, you know, bumped into Scott Russell a couple of times now, and at different times in that, and everything seems to be quite positive, but. You know, I've I've kind of begged, please put a statement on the website at the very least that, that the fans can read or, 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 you know, make some kind of declaration. I don't know if there's been anything so far. I haven't seen anything myself. And and, and that, I, I don't know if the reason that they're doing that is because they'll be shot down whatever they say, you know, and I, I don't know. It's not a very good situation at the moment. Well, when we started all this out, we were having podcasts at the outset. I mean, the there was ownership of the football club, which was separate to the ownership of the football stadium. And you always kind of felt that if it was all more together, uh, then that could maybe help with things going forward. I think to me, the difference is now uh, I'm a pragmatist as much as I'm an idealist and I want the, the trust to have the, the best role in this going forward. The ownership situation isn't going to change. The model that it's on just now, it can either only work with the ownership structure that it's got just now, where you've got the co-ownership of 
the vast majority of the football club and the stadium or it completely fails which is in no one's interest so that's that, that my kind of starting point as well it's got to go forward on that footing yeah I think that's where we're at at the moment and uh, I, 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 sorry, I said earlier on actions will speak louder than words and, and that's kind of where I'm thinking at the moment the, the unfortunate thing is that the trust always been like a kind of safety net it was probably more so under Ballantyne either you know it was needed and you know I'd you know, we were also safety net there. We almost get used like a bank. The the one thing that we had kind of agreed on a year and a half ago was that it's in everybody's best interest to be up a league. We get a, we would get about quarter of a, at the moment. I think we get something like seventy grand. This is public. This is public information that's available. Um, and I know. I know I actually sent on emails, you know, with this this stuff off the SFA site, but we get roughly seventy grand a year from the SPFL where we're at at the moment. And if you kind of try and figure out the wages, say the, the number of players, wages, and whatever else, to actually just put a team in the pitch, that's no taking in everything else. I don't think seventy grand even covers half of it, you know, what we would be spending on wages and stuff like that. However, if we're in the championship. It's roughly quarter of a million in the middle of the championship. It's a million pounds. Teams like Hamilton Aki's not getting the SPFL. So, the the there's money, you know, going up the leagues, and that's basically what the stadium company needs. Is in fact the club needs obviously the money for better players and whatever else. But to get bigger fans, there have been no bigger fans than guys at six foot tall, whatever league <laughs> we're in. But to to get bigger crowds, should I say? Um, we're not going to get that in this league. We're not going to get crowds much more than the seven, eight hundred, unless we're running run away with the league towards the end of the, you know, towards the end of this season or next season. You're not going to get four figure crowds on any kind of regular basis. We're not going to get crowds, you know, a thousand to a thousand and a half at least until we're in the championship and hopefully competing in it and not doing a breaking. And you know, it's, it's in the, it's in the stadium company's best interest to get up. They're going to sell pies, parking spaces, advertising, everything else when when we're up there. So they've got that incentive that they need. But the unfortunate thing is now that it's a one, not one man band, but sorry, it's a you know they're the only show in town now. Uh, you know, whereas we had a wider board and more colon and whatever else, and that kind of scares me a wee bit. And but it's now down to the guys that own the stadium. They've they've kind of. They've got this situation now, and and they they need to make it work. They seem determined that they're going to do that, but it's not going to public. And I've I've only kind of gained that from you know from personal conversations, you, you know, with the guys. And I, so I don't want to talk out of turn. I certainly don't want to cheese them off or anything like that. But you know, be saying to. But I just get the feeling when I'm talking to them directly that they'll do it. But why are they not talking? They've never discussed it with me about why there's not been any anything public or that. But I'm kind of guessing it's probably just the, the atmosphere at the moment and. I think it might take a while for things to settle down before before we get that kind of that that kind of situation. So at the moment, as fans, what what I think we can grasp on is that the wages are getting paid, the bills are getting paid. We're under quite a lot of you know still under quite a sizable wage bill. I would imagine going into next season, given you know how much money we're paying the guys on the bench, and you know they're talking about the Celtic game, and I can imagine that for you know I, I think we must be well under budget, uh, sorry, well over budget. In terms of what we've got, so any Celtic monies and that are probably our insurance, you know, against that wage bill that we've got kind of dragging on into next year. So that's only what I can gather as a guy. I mean, I, I, I manage a business with mere employees in Airdrie Football Club, and you know, two or three times, a, you know, the turnover in that. So I can understand the kind of the business side of it, 
and you know, just from what I can gather, as as an outsider looking in and thinking, holy crap, I wouldn't want to be, you know, I wouldn't want to be running this thing, or even, you know, even I mentioned managing the team, but even running the business, it doesn't seem to really make a lot of sense to me. So, really, the onus is on them now. If they're not going to, if they're not really going to talk that much, then all they they really need to do is just kind of keep, you know, keep doing it, and we'll, we'll kind of we'll probably gather during the summer if, you know, if if we see what's happening player wise and investment coming in. Really, for me, the actions will speak louder than words. I don't care what they say. I don't care what you know. Guys, previously, like Wotherspoon and Valentine said, everybody talks, everybody makes promises. We normally get let down. If we're going to hear a bit of silence, but actually have some real action, then as a fan, that's the most important thing. So I just hope that you know that they're equal to it, and you know they put in. And the only indications I've had is that they're committed, and they want to go up, and they need to go up and they need to make it happen so let's see it if they're not going to talk about it just let's see it and it kind of begs the question of if you're in that situation and you've got cash flow potential issues and, and again sure she would spoke at that meeting about with a football club you've really got I can't remember what they all were but your four big peak cash incomes during the season so whether that would be your SPFL money your season ticket money strips as one he mentioned and maybe sponsorship pre uh, pre the season kicking off so as lumpy as anything which causes issues if you do have that kind of scenario where you've got a group of talented volunteers who can bring in any kind of material sum which they have been able to do in the last few years surely you'd be able to make it work with them because to have them and have a workable relationship must be better than the alternative. Alan, you've done some work with the, with the trust before. In terms of a, cl- a trust role in, in the kind of football club scenario, what what do you think is the, is, is the target model? What, what If you were restructuring now, what do you think the trust should be doing that could help the football club uh, if you were starting from scratch? Well, starting from scratch, I, I think understanding their role and, un- and understanding that their role is primarily to to do some community work and offer a bit of funding to the club. I think it's probably naive to think that, especially with the boards that they've had to deal with over the last number of years, that they're, they're, they're actually going to affect some kind of influence at boardroom level. I just don't think that's going to happen at all. So, you know, I think they're good at what they do and... You know, to, to have that safety net, whether that safety net is providing £10,000 every year to the club that lets the club do something fairly fairly useful with it uh, and allocate funds, those funds as opposed to other funds, you know, th- that's all you can really I- I expect from it. I, I think you've touched on a few of the things I've been thinking about in terms of the board route, the, the current board, you know, the, the public persona thing. To be brutally honest, I'm not really, I, I don't really care if I don't hear from the board on a, on a day-to-day basis. I don't really care if the people involved are hard to get on with. What I want them to do is balance the books and I want them to choose the correct manager for the club, which by the virtue of doing that, will put a football team on the park. I believe the, the, I, I I believe the current finances are bound to be reasonably okay. The Celtic game obviously puts us in a reasonable footing. However, 600, 700 people at the games is not sustainable for me. Therefore, I think the board have got to look at what they've done over the last 
couple of years, and I think this is probably why they're, they're, they're fairly quiet, because, to be brutally honest, since the new regime came in, they have made shocking decisions in terms of putting, putting, an, putting an experienced managers in place, giving family a lot of money to spend, and, and it's, it's, it's really ruined their chances. It's, it's wasted a, a substantial opportunity. So, as it stands at the moment, you know, the, the board have kind of failed in their in their responsibility of of, of of putting a football team on the park, and it's kind of been avoided. So, you know, I, I think that with a, a number of them leaving, Paul Hillington's now got you know a decision to make in terms of how he wants the, the team to go forward, and uh, you know, and, and who's going to be at the helm, and, and and what's the best way of putting that team on the park because. We are we are failing at the moment because of their decisions, and that's that's the harsh facts of it all, and that's probably why we're not hearing from them greatly. But I'm not. I, I I don't care for. We live in an age that we seem to know all the chairmen, all the boards. You know, they're all high-profile characters and, and whatever. And it didn't used to be like that. It doesn't need to be like that. As I say, balance the books and get a good manager in there that puts a team in the park, and that's all I'm bothered about. And I, I think the issue is. The ownership for us as a podcast have been, has been in such an interest because there's nothing else to speak about. The form on the park's been poor, uh, and it was more serious last year when it looked like the whole future of the club was at stake. Uh, I agree with you. If there was a winning team on the pitch, uh, this wouldn't be the kind of key thing that everybody would be speaking about on Facebook, the pie and bovril threads. It becomes more of an issue just because the football field, had we had a good season, it would probably have dragged everybody along and they would have been able to work together just because it's all been going in the right direction. Yeah, if there are three or four hundred more people at the games calling, you know, the, the, there wouldn't be as many disputes over £8,000 worth of stock or £10,000 worth of kitted money and, and whatever, because it would be a drop in the ocean in comparison to what yeah. to what was coming through the turnstiles and indeed what the potential, as, as Gordon said, would be to be getting into the, the higher leagues. So, yeah, you're, yeah. you're right, it's what, what you say. But I do, I do just really feel for the trust guys because I do think they do so much novel work. Uh, I mean, they found just really interesting things to do, which has generated money. And some of this dispute seemed to be they were they're spending ten thousand pounds on that and buying shares in the club. But that's from Colin Elliott, who said that his investment was only ever uh, temporary, so he was expecting to be bought out in some case. And it felt as if it's the strain that the club saying, well. That doesn't help us. That's ten thousand pounds to someone else, uh, but but I think it's legitimate that the, the the trust in terms of trying to ensure the the future of the football club going forward wants to buy someone else's shareholding. But but where do they go from here if if the relationship breaks down and they're still raising money? Then where does it go? Uh, it just feels a bit helpless. Yeah, well, I think that's that's one of the things that's going to kind of compromise the club a wee getting wee bit going forward if that money's not there. Then, then it's obviously one less, you know, one less tool for the club to have, you know, going forward. So, I think it's in everybody's best interest that we can try and work out a proper framework going forward, so that that safety net or that we additional that we additional push is still there, you know, going forward. So, that, that's certainly my biggest fear, you know, regarding the relationship breakdown. It's it's one thing if you've got a kind of like a sort of more single focused, you know, kind of driver within the club, but we need to make sure that we've got everything at our disposal kind of lined up. You know, for us and when we need it, and that's the biggest kind of fear at the moment. It's, you know, without the clubs, you know, without the trust input, then um, 
it just leaves us a wee bit weaker and more honest when the guys actually run in the club. So yeah, it's quite scary. Any light at the end of the the, the tunnel with it? I mean, uh, we were told at the meeting that there did seem to be a level of confidence that the that the financial position wasn't precarious. Uh, Stuart did stress cash flow is always going to be an issue uh, and so you need to be able to fund that through the through the cycle and that's that that's a challenge for every football club again the less people involved the more that's going to fall on the shoulders of the, the present board but if, if we are stable and we did get it right on the pitch and had a good season next season i think people would just the ownership is the ownership everybody was going mad about the glazers at man united at one point but then Fergie kept winning, they, they won a Champions League, so all the ownership issues just seemed to disappear. Uh, Colin, I think financial stability is a very short-term thing as far as the Edry Football Club are concerned. Ne- next season, if we don't have a Celtic, I-, I think we're nice and comfortable at the moment because we had the Celtic situation. I think if we hadn't drawn Celtic in the Cup this season, I think we would probably have a, be approaching a cash flow problem. It's just not sustainable at 600 Seven hundred people coming through the through the gates, and that and, and we that don't, we don't want other people coming in and bailing the club out because you end up just having to owe them it back and diluting, you know, what you want to dig forward. So I think it's no, a good thing. But that, that's why it just it, it, it's crystal clear that if you just put a team in the park, it makes things a hell of a lot easier. And, yeah, and it's just always that feeling that an opportunity has come and probably gone, and you know it'll be interesting to see what the what the budget is for, uh, for for the new season because this. This whole idea of this idea of a new squad coming in, you know, I'm not absolutely convinced that there'll be the, a, a huge amount of money there to there to do it. So, yeah, it's just, you know. it's just but in essence, you've just blamed Finlay for all this crap. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> partly, but again, I would never have given Finlay the job, would you? So, no. you know, it's it's his fault for taking the job and doing his best, which was not good enough. No, it was. I, I do sometimes wonder, and you have to look at the board collectively, and they're all businessmen, and I've said it before, would these businessmen have adopted the same disciplines upon their own business as they have put on Airdrie Football Club, i.e. the most pivotal role in your in your business was the managerial position, and would you have put in someone that had already not done particularly well and didn't have a lot of experience? No, you wouldn't. No, you know, I think there was there was some circumstances around about that last winter where they needed him before they actually had the reins at the club. That's, um, that's fair enough, but, but what you could have done was... You, the problem isn't as well handled as it could have been, I. Finley could easily have had a, part, a, a contract up to the end of that season to review it and see how he got on. Now, he didn't do very well. The club finished in their lowest position in the league ever. Therefore, you say, thanks very much, Mr Finlay, but no thanks. And you get the main man in to scout, to get his own team involved, and to spend their money wisely. But no, they didn't do that. They, they, they made the same mistake twice. And then I fear they may have done it again. But that, that's what we were arguing about earlier. Yeah, that, 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 one will, that one will play out. I'm hoping it's not as bad. My, my gut feeling last year was obviously that bad, but I was, I was particularly vocal and you know, I, I did get slapped down for, for being too vocal on that front. Uh, the only thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm criticising, I'm complaining, but it's certainly it's not my money that I've pissed up against the wall. It was their own money. And they, they must be sitting there thinking, you know, what, kind of, what have we done here? 
but especially when you see the, the the aftermath of it now, which we've got at the moment. Yeah, yeah, but it's but you, in many ways it's all very easy to blame a bad manager, but it's it's a bad administration to put a bad manager in place yeah. and to do it twice. You know, well, it's that fool me once, what, fool me twice. What, all that. what what you've got and again. I'm hopefully not getting away too much with personal conversations or anything like that, but I know there is a kind of feeling that, yeah, we made a mistake, you know, and I'm not actually in those kind of words, but I kind of took that out, certainly out of conversation. It's, uh, not, it's, not, it's not very encouraging because it's not day, I'm no expert, and I'm sure most of my friends are not great experts, but no, no if, I think if you did a straw poll on the, the people that sit in the stand at Excelsior Stadium, there's not one person would have probably taken on Finlay at, at that point yeah. at, the, at the start of the, the previous season there. So, you know, it's we made a mistake. Does, doesn't he really cover it? I see that. I bet you that's not a mistake they would have made in their own businesses. It happens far too frequently in football that that, that football teams are a frivolous plaything almost for, for, for businessmen and they do not adopt the business disciplines that they would on their own uh, as they would in their own business, and as I say, it's an inexperienced manager. Would would any of those directors have employed me to run a uh, to run a stadium company, or would they've employed me to run a, uh, a whatever type of business? No, no, they wouldn't, because I wouldn't have had the experience to do it. I wouldn't have got through the door. But but yet, you know, that's what we've we've had foisted upon us. And look at the result of it, and the result of it is wasted opportunity. 600 people sitting at a game, sitting at games that probably don't even want to be there, that are disillusioned and will be thinking twice probably about, about getting renewing their season tickets this year as well because they'll just be thinking this is another shambles and the people that are in charge don't put due diligence upon running this club in any way, shape or form and why should I? And I don't see any hope for the future. And I know that sounds very pessimistic but there needs to be a change. There needs to be a change in mindset. There needs oh. to be a... A, a, a harsh view on what do we do to put a team on the park that will get Airdrie promoted, and it's not all about he's a nice guy or we needed him for a you know to smooth the way or we'll give him a chance because you know to, to keep the continuity of it all whatever it needs to be harsh yeah. and it needs to be a guy that will get us promoted. I, th- I think you're right there, and the obvious thing is that we've not really had that statement, you know, for the club saying this is where we're at and this is why. You know, actually, kind of answer if you want yeah. those points that you. And made if they're there. leaving away in the background to that effect and and whatever, absolutely fine. I don't think we're intending yeah. to necessarily know I, everything. I, but I, bearing in mind there has been mistakes and and whatever. I don't, I don't know. Do we want do we want a pound of flesh. But, do we want Paul Hetherington yeah, to stand but, up in front but, of everybody and say, "Yes, I got it wrong." Yeah, but I one of the right. One of the problems we've seen is there has actually been a pound of flesh, but we've never really had an explanation. You know, we've, we've lost, you know, I, I got on really well with Gavin on the, the, the youth boards. So Gavin's away, I don't know why exactly. His, his dad's obviously away, Stuart's obviously away. And, you know, we heard what Stuart said at the meeting, you know, and, you know, you know, there was obviously kind of like personality clashes and, and whatever. There was obviously arguing over something of some sorts, but, you know, he left with the, the kind of thing that, you know, there isn't a major money problem that he's aware of or anything like that, but, you know, there's an astute businessman, you know, running the club now, so we've never really had to explain for everything, but we've seen a kind of put in a, in a reshape, and the obvious thing that's missing at the moment, obviously, is this kind of clarity for the, for the club at the minute, saying, 
this is where we're at, this is how we're going to come out of this situation, and, and this is the way forward, and, and that's probably what's missing at the moment, which is exactly what I'm taking from your conversation, Jason. To add to that, and here's what we think the you can do supporters to help that, and all of branch time, here's what we would ask for the supporters trust to do, and try and rebuild from there. Um, I mean, <laughs> trying to finish on a high, we haven't spoken about the Celtic game, uh, there was obviously the incident beforehand, which was reprehensible and fortunately no one seemed to have been too seriously hurt but I actually I really enjoyed that night uh, being in such a big airy crowd singing all the way through the game there's still something there there's still life in the club yet yep. Um, yep. it needs to be harnessed we're running out of time we can't have too many more field campaigns but if we could just all work together and pull in the right direction I genuinely believe we could be a championship club we should be a bigger club than Alwa and if you get there then you can try and rebuild and all these projects that have been done at such a when the club is at such a low level would be much more impactful and we could have a successful club again Colin we should be a bigger club than Livingston and Hamilton <laughs> in the Plymouth Premier League yeah, we've seen that at that in the Celtic game that you know we do have you know a kind of bigger crowd and more heritage in these two teams. So yeah, hundred percent. It's just it's just finding the way to harness it. And like I said before, I'm fully accepting of the fact that this is this is the last saloon. It doesn't make sense for anybody else to come in and buy the club without owning the stadium. You've said before they've both got to work. It needs to be up a level for that to to happen. Uh, but you just look at some of the stuff that's happened just now, that you, I worry, will it ever happen? Is that, is that night at Parkhead going to be as good as it's ever going to be? Colin, there's still signs of life there, mate. Um, I was really happy at the weekend. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of mention, uh, you know, kind of a couple of people by name here, and and you know, there's a, a young guy. I think he's only about thirteen year old. Callum Gibb, you know, my old mate Wally's, you know, if you call me it's his boy. And always we school pals sitting behind the dugout the other day with their megaphone and you know their their, their wee kinda their, their wee kinda TIFO thing that they tried to do at the weekend there, right? And I'm seeing all these kids kinda there's another group of kids that stand up behind me way at the far side of the, the stand, you know, and you know, quite a lot of new faces and that. And what happened at the Celtic game is there. What we what we really need is a club. I mean, obviously we all want to see the same thing with the trust. We all feel the exact same way about the the the, the, the kind of the thing that's going on with the trust in the club at the minute, and we, we desperately want to do that. And maybe guys like us need to try and be a bridge or a middle ground or something, and get them talking. Or, or whether we let sleeping dogs lie until until you, you know both sides actually say we need each other or whatever. I don't know how that happens, but we're still left there yet. What needs to happen at the moment is we need this manager obviously either prove himself or not uh, in terms of is he the man to take it forward you know answer Alan's fears is he good enough am I overestimating him he needs to go and, and, and kind of change the way we play we already know nobody's happy with the way we're playing at the moment the way it looks the manager himself I don't think is happy with it at the moment we're not scoring anywhere near enough goals so he needs to go and, and, and kind of sort things in the pitch the board they need to go out there and make sure there's an infrastructure in place for them during the summer. They need to go and do something. They need to sign an Andy Ryan or a Dom Thomas or something like that that's going to excite the fans next year and, and lead us to you know, lead us into this promised land that we, we know we need to get to. So these are the kind of markers that we need to look for and, and need to happen. Obviously, sorting the thing out between the trust and the club as well is, is on the agenda for further down the line. So I think Believing it on a positive note, th- these are the kind of things that we need to do to take the club forward and stop it going back into the Ballantyne era again. Yeah, any closing thoughts from you, Alan? Yeah, no, I agree with I agree with that one hundred percent. I just I don't want to be sitting here in six months' time and we start to 
start to yeah. bandy the phrase the phrase is manage declines and stuff again because of the because of the way things have all turned out. I think it's still within our hands. I think you know, as you've rightly said, the the, the crowd at Celtic was stimulated. It showed us what we were capable of doing. I just I kept thinking that if you were sitting. In the, in the main stand at Celtic Park that, that night, they must have been looking going, what the hell? Where, where do these characters come from? This team are in, the set, team are in League One. You know, we play Hamilton and we play Livingston and, and they bring 30 people. See, as a fan though, right, it's like, have you ever kind of like watched, like, say you had a, a show that you used to watch in the 80s or 90s, like Only Fools and Horses or Cheers or something, and they do like a 10th or 20th anniversary reunion, uh-huh. right? Suddenly, see guys like say, say like Del Boy looks like a seventy nine year old, or uh-huh. Ted Danson's got like pure white hair, and you know, you know, Diane looks like an old granny or something, like that, right? And uh-huh. you know, it, it, did it not feel like that when you went to Parkhead and you seen all the old faces, like guys that you last seen at a game in their mid twenties or now in their mid forties, all getting did lifted you... outside the ground, aye. <laughs> oh man, <mate, I> <laughs> never had to me in the way in, but I better not say too much, right? But. <laughs> <laughs> bit watch your company, I keep it down, but yeah, you know, but it had that kind of feel about it. Like it, it, it doesn't happen enough. It was actually ten years or, or nine years since the game at Harps. Remember the game we won one nil up there when we pulled the Giacomo and Simon Lynch and guys like that playing for uh, us. Sort of a night out that it, that it was then for for some folk. The next time it happens, maybe it won't be that. Maybe we'll be going to Celtic Park with a genuine feeling that we can actually get a result. You know, that would be. That's what we need. Yeah, that's, that's what we need. So the board have got a big job to try and recreate that that situation, you know, during the summer now, and and obviously Murray's got a job to do, try to kind of pull it together. So, yeah, and it has to be astute. This is the thing now, you know, it's yeah. it's it's yeah. not going well. It now this has is a- to be bang on, and I think that's where my agitation is because we have to get it right. It, know, decisions, whatever way it is, it's it's risky, but it has to be right. And if if the manager leaves, so be it. If the manager stays. He has got to get the signings right. He's got to get his match ethos right. He's got to get the team playing in the right way. And we've got we to go up. You know, so no we pressure. Had, <laughs> we had the perfect scenario last year. Between March and July 2018, we had a situation where we had a clean slate, a good budget, a lot of good feeling, a lot of goodwill with a new sponsorship on board and whatever else. Ian Murray doesn't have that this year. This is a real shame for me. And this is what I'm really, really cheesed off at is the legacy that's been left from... Anyway, Murray doesn't have that. He's going to have to wheel and deal. How's he going to get rid of guys that are making a lot more than they should be? Mm. Uh, you, you know, while they've still got a year left. And this is a real, real job he's got to do to try and build a team here and obviously the owners as well we're either going to have to eat a lot of money um, you know to get out for under deals or, or be extremely creative you know building a winning team this year when we had the perfect scenario last year but obviously the wrong you know the wrong drivers behind it and it's do, do you know it, what I was thinking about Gordon just the other night I don't know where this came from but here's something that's kind of fallen out of the modern idiom of football teams you don't get very many player swaps now, do you? Do you remember in a, going back 20 or 30 years or so, and maybe it's contractual and whatever, but do you remember we used to get, we swapped a guy for something, you know, we, we got rid of Gordon, Gordon yeah. Cloud and got Nipper in and yeah, well, stuff. The thing is, remember the Chris Honor thing where Airdrie held his registration and somebody had to pay a transfer fee? Uh, at that point, time you had you had that kind of situation where 
you know, transfer fees were not kind of commonplace. And because you had, but now with Bosman, it's like everybody's working in cycles. Eh? You're signed for a year or so. Well, we actually, we actually did sign a player this summer. I heard the figure five grand, but that may be totally irrelevant or, or wrong. But, you know, when we signed, you know, Jonathan Page. But yeah, we, you don't get the player swaps or anything anymore. And marry up a like contract with a like contract, and you'd have to get both players to agree to it and whatever else. But, but that, that would be good if you could, you could identify the guys that, that just were on the wages that you couldn't do anything with. And some, you know, Victoria well, might fancy going to Strano Armstrong, I might like him, but they, and they might have a semi decent. Midfielder one, that, that, that lives up yeah, in Glasgow or something, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, one of his old managers um, had, had told me, you know, I'm quite friendly with the guy, and, and, and you know, he told me that he wasn't one of the high earners this year, but then he got another new contract, so I don't know if that's, yeah. you know, so, see, that initially got, um, but I, I think that's the reason why he's out in loan at the moment, and, and the same with Cammy Russell's, because they're, they're among the lesser earners. Uh, within the squad who who we could actually move without losing money just to try and you know and try and level the wage bill out a wee bit and that's an absolute shame that we're in that situation but uh, we've already covered this ground already earlier on in the podcast anyway about just how massive a job it actually is I do not envy the guys in charge but that's what we need now going into this summer we, we do need them to be better so that, I think that, we need to be good a good good scouting as you suggested you know not just, oh, just accepting people at face value knowing the players that you're bringing in and knowing that they fit into the system of the way you want to play well, well. I, think that's, I think that's the difference that we've got here with Murray's the fact that he has actually played at well, maybe not the top top level but you know he, he played at the best level in you know in Scotland you know he played with you know with Hibs and Rangers you know at, at the top end of the, the Premier League he played with Scotland he played with Norwich during in England so he, I like the way you say it, he's never quite played at the top level he's got an international cap for Scotland <laughs> at least it's six but uh, whatever but <laughs> at least the guys at least the guys that it wasn't the Division 2 of the juniors or amateurs, you know, and you kind of hope that he's got a far better eye for a player. That that really essentially what football is, and you look at all the great players in the world, you know, if you look at like some Messi and Iniesta and whatever, for, you see the pictures of them, you, you know, sort of the, the videos of them as kids playing, you know, one in Argentina, one in the south of Spain, they get scouted. You know, they didn't totally get created at La Messiah. It's, it, it's, it's scouting whatever level, whether it be youth level or whether it be senior level. That, that's what it's, that's why Ian McCall put together the team that you mentioned earlier on. He knew what he was looking for in these players and, yeah. and had a good eye for it. Whereas, you know, we did what we did last summer and, you know, it's unfortunate. It's been done though and now we need to kind of... Sounds like a horror movie. We need to make a listen. We've got we've got quite a few lemons, and and we need to make a big big vat of lemonade now. <laughs> Unfortunately, <it's, laughs> doesn't make for them all lemons. But you know what I mean. It's you know that's the situation where we need. There's no point in greeting about it. We need to make it work. I do like I do like that though. We know what we did last summer. That that is it was a horror story. That, that's the new DVD, isn't it? <laughs> Straight to DVD, right? DVD. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah. So there you go, an hour and a half worth of podcasting, only to be summed up by Gordon Thompson telling you, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, for next season, let's hope we swept the floor with the opposition, with the best team, bar none. We sign some players who are sprightly, we find ourselves seven up at half time, and it's our white on the night. Thank you for listening. The OTL podcast is on the scrounge. You may have noticed if you subscribe for the podcast, that sometimes it will appear on your app, 
and sometimes it won't. That's because we use free SoundCloud accounts, but you have to change it every time you have five podcasts registered to any account. To get around that, we need to have a professional membership. That's £90, and we're asking people if they'll contribute to our GoFundMe page in order to help fund that. You can find details of the GoFundMe page on our Facebook or Twitter pages. And I'd like to thank Ian Telford and John Wilson who have donated thus far. Ian Telford is of course my dad and he's asked if I'll give a mention to a scheme that the Airdrie Golf Club are running at the moment. It's an Easter golf school running at Airdrie Golf Club for 12 to 18 year olds. It's from the 2nd to 5th of April and it's £50 per person. If you're Airdrie Ace, fancies being the next Tiger Woods, get in touch with Airdrie Golf Club and they've got a Facebook page where you can find out more. And for anyone else listening, if you contribute £10, we're happy to give you a mention for anything.